V Celsius, the relative humidity, 86%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Janice. On today's program, we're talking about the government's decision to expand Hong Kong's talent list to lure more overseas professionals to work here. Medical staff, construction workers, artificial intelligence specialists and those in the performing arts are among almost 40 new professions that have been added to Hong Kong's talent pass scheme. The move will make it easier for employees employers to hire them from overseas. But lawmakers have expressed mixed views about the government's decision. So what do you think? What impact will it have on the local labour market? How useful will it be in tackling the labour shortage problem? After 9.45, we'll get reaction from a former Hong Kong footballer about the recent match-fixing scandal. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line Roy Ying, the co-chair of the Advocacy and Policy Research Committee of the Hong Kong Institute of Human Resource Management, and Godfrey Leung, Executive Director of the Hong Kong Construction Association. Good morning, Mr. Ying. Good morning, Janice. And uh, good morning, Mr. Leung. Thank- good morning, Good Janice. morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, Mr. Ying, what do you think of uh, the decision to expand the uh, talent list? The institution uh, welcomes the uh, expansion of the talent list. Um, we've been talking to a lot of our members. Um, over 85% of them have expressed difficulty, uh, either difficult or very difficult, over the past six months in filling vacancies. And um, that is not just in uh, the senior positions, but also in all sectors and, and uh, middle management and even entry levels. So the um, and in certain uh, areas such as IT, hospitality, the um, um, the acute shortage is it's more serious than others. Um, it's getting to a point where um, even employers are willing to pay more. There are still not enough applicants. Right. And uh, we know there is a shortage of uh, labor in different sectors, but uh, is it really necessary, do you think, I mean, to expand the list by this much from 13 job types to 51? Well, I think you have to understand this, uh, the expansion of the talent list is not an immediate um, influx of uh, talent coming from overseas. Uh, employers still have to go through the hassle of identifying a um, suitable candidate, paying them uh, very attractive salaries and um, and uh, addressing their local needs in Hong Kong. Um, it's not like um, uh, organizations are going to be, have access to cheap labor uh, because of this talent. Um, um, all my members that I've, we've talked to, every one of them expressed the same wish. They want to hire local people. Uh, it's just, and when there is not available, then they have to turn elsewhere. Roy, why is the situation suddenly so acute? Um, Mike, how are you? Um, the I just looked at the um, the population uh, figure as of 2023 April. It was it's now 7.33. Right. Um, when you compare to mid-2019, um, it was 7.51. So we lost 180,000 people 
Um, so that, that's quite a fair bit. I mean, that's, that's the population of you know, the entire civil service you know, workforce. Huh. Uh, it's actually quite, quite serious. And um, so that's, I think, the, what the, the major reason for that. Right, because it, 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 I would have thought common sense, and of course common sense isn't common and it doesn't always work, but we've come out of COVID. I would have thought there would have been a lot of people who were, uh, had been laid off or given shorter hours, they would jump back into the labour pool. So you think I, it's uh, people we've lost? Well, it's, um, you, you have actually have a point. However, the people we've talked to, uh, give us a different um, different context. Um, for example, I was talking to a bunch of people from the um, airport aviation sector. They they're having trouble because the people they they had have changed jobs, yes. and when they want to rehire them back, they don't want that. And uh, and even if they're willing to take the job, they will still need to go through a very long period of training. Um, so it's not like you, you can ha you can have a ready, readily available yeah. force for them to hire. The airport um, is a special case, of course, because um, those people are suddenly upset. Well, what happened to the whole airline industry, at, almost well, without notice? And then you really want me to go back into that shark pool? You know, I found another <laughs> job. <laughs> well, let's. Um, shall we? Um, shall we? Talk a little bit about the construction industry. I mean, Godfrey should be. Yeah, you yeah, know, you sure. Probably know, know more about this because there's all kinds of projects going on. The yeah. Metropolis. The, Mr. Lung? Yes, let's, know, go to, that, let's go to let's go to Mr. Lung. Uh, yeah, let's go to Mr. Lung. Let's uh, go back to uh, the expansion of uh, this uh, talent list. And of course, uh, um, like Roy was just saying, one of the uh, new job types included in the list is uh, construction. Um, Mr. Lung, what do you think? I mean, how much of a difference will this uh, make for the industry? Well, thank you, Janice. Um, I just want to say hi to Mike as well. Um, I echo the, uh, what Roy said, that the priority of our, all the members in the association, they would like to hire local people because we speak the same language, we share the same culture, and uh, most of them, they are working in the industry or they're trained locally. But unfortunately, um, all the people, we don't know where they go. And... Um, Coincidentally, when we are having our meeting about two weeks ago, some of the members, they share the turnover rate of their company. It's astonishing. They're about 30% of turnover last year. Three is zero, not one three. So it's very difficult for them to find the, the right talent to fill the vacancies. And... Um, the expansion of the the the, uh, the, the list of uh, talent in to include development and construction is also although it, uh, is all very very welcome by all the members in the association, and um, it can help us to ease the shortages of all levels of workers professionals in the industry, and the main advantage of this new scheme is that we don't need to go through local recruitment before we can go uh, to recruit talent from overseas or, or somewhere else. Because pre pre previously, we have to show to the immigration department, we did a very, very um, uh, a good job in trying to find people locally, but failed before we can apply for a uh, talent from uh, elsewhere. Godfrey, Yep. For, the, for the half a century I've been in Hong Kong, this has <laughs> always been a problem. 
Yeah. Is there something structural here? Um, I would say yes, especially right now. Uh, you know, the construction industry, sometimes people are, don't want to get into it because they will think that it's very demanding and uh, uh, the, the image of a construction worker or even a construction professional is not that welcoming. But the problem is that you can really make a living from it and it is a really a professional job. And the government has been doing a very, very good job in trying to attract people to join the industry in the past 10 years at least. They tried to um, promote some attractive packages to attract people to be trained as workers. And also our associations, we have been trying um, more than 10 years to establish a young member society to try to uh, lure the younger generation to get into the, the, the industry right. and tell them what is the merits, what is the future, what is the development in the industry. We did it uh, quite okay, but unfortunately, you know, the, the, uh, the, the immigration wave yeah. and then there are the, the COVID and things like that and disrupted some of our work. And we are just putting the things back together and try to uh, make the industry more and more attractive to the people. Right. In fact, you, you, you know, when the Northern Metropolis and the uh, Kao Yichou Reclamation Works and some other major civil engineering projects are to be uh, 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 kicked off in, in, in the years to come, the industry itself is very promising. But unfortunately, we just don't know where to find the right people to fill the vacancies. Yes, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Where are these people going to come from? Well, mainland. The, lo the logical question, uh, logical deduction is mainland because, especially Guangdong province, we speak the same language, and uh, the training, especially the civil engineering training of the undergraduates in the mainland, is very, very good indeed. The only deficiency is that. Uh, the English of them may not be that good, but it can be made up. It's, it's not a, very, a real problem in the industry. And um, apart from mainland, there are some other professionals in Southeast Asia. Sometimes people are talking about Malaysia, because Malaysia, they speak English, and they're training in the civil engineering or the construction discipline. Construction-related disciplines are also very good. So if the government open uh, to expand the list to include more um, professionals that we can shorten the recruitment period or save the hassles of going uh, recruiting locally, that will be a, a, a good thing for us. All right. Uh, so and I just want to go to Mr. Yang. I mean, uh, from what Mr. Leung is saying, um, for the construction industry, he ex uh, expects most of the talent that will come from the mainland or, or Malaysia. Um, what about other job types, uh, including those uh, under the performing arts, healthcare services and financial services industry? I mean, where, where do you expect the uh, talent to, to come from? Mr. Well, well, let me go back to a little bit about the, um, the construction sector a little bit. There's one concern that I've been talking to a number of uh, professional firms, and they, um, they are hoping that the professional bodies in Hong Kong would have uh, mutual recognition of professional qualifications with places where they are likely to get uh, talents from. Uh, otherwise, even though they may be working in Hong Kong, it would be a challenge for them to have a full-fledged um, career uh, in Hong Kong, especially when there is a registration system, registered engineer, registered architects, registered uh, surveyors, um, and that is something that needs to be addressed.
Well, as far as I know, the Hong Kong Institution of Engineer, they have a very, very um, uh, elaborated mutual regulation scheme with the mainland universities. And yep. for the Hong Kong IAS, Hong Kong IA, they also have these kind of uh, mutual recognition arrangements. But um, uh, th- there is some hurdles, I, I, I'm sure. But um, if we are going to work together, I'm sure they can sometimes they can work out some 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 ways to, to well, solve yep. this problem. All right. And, uh- all right, uh, we're now also joined on the program by uh, C. Lei Shan, the Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization. Uh, good morning, Missy. Hey, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So, um, so far we've heard from our other guests, Roy Ying and Godfrey Leung, that the uh, expansion of the talent list is the right move. That's uh, what we need to uh, help uh, solve the uh, labor shortage problem. Um, what's your assessment? Uh, I think actually we, we, we don't have the figure uh, actually how many uh, uh, shortage of paper in this kind of field. And then besides even we uh, widen the list and then um, how many quota we, we set and then uh, is there any tournament? Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, uh, we, we cannot uh, comment how it is. And uh, the, the other is um, uh, we uh, we can see because we have some youth, they they. They they want to uh, change up themselves and then to be uh, uh, one of the professional, but it's quite hard because uh, even in the university, the quota is is not enough for them to enter the subject, and uh, um, and so so and besides some of them maybe there's actually it's hard to find their uh, uh, employment, and so I, I think there should be. Uh, some um, more wider uh, review of the policy, even the education, and then we should have a planning how to uh, also to uh, cultivate our uh, talents in, right. in our system. Ms. Missy, good morning. Um, this, this seems very odd to an outsider in the sense that employers are gasping for more recruits, and at the same time, uh, some of our young people are bursting to find a job are we mm. are we failing in training on in education for some of these sectors yeah yeah uh, i think even of the uh something actually now it's very expensive in hong kong you you to get a, a, a pace in university um and the only limited surrender uh 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 Places in university and uh, many of them in need to sell for land and many of them they cannot afford so that is the problem. So that's why um, uh, maybe for emergency, we have some period where we need to import some uh, talents. But we still have a planning in mid-term, long-term. How can we to cultivate our talents uh, through the education system? Uh, I think that's the problem. Right. Do you think the um, it's fair for, for local workers or potential employees to scrap this requirement for local advertising for the positions? Because that requirement for employers to advertise locally is being removed, isn't it, or softened? Yeah, I I don't know. And then besides uh, some of the, actually, the the on-job, there should be some on-job training for those uh, employees so they can promote to some... um, professionals uh, 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 pay is important. 
Right. Let's go to Mr. Yang. I mean, so so, what do you think of Ms. C's concerns? Uh, she she's a bit con- uh, worried that uh, this uh, expansion of the talent uh, list will affect the uh, prospects of uh, local workers. Well, let me give you some numbers. Um, the number of DSE students taking exam this year is less than fifty thousand. The number of subsidized places, including the SSDP, is eighteen thousand. Uh, Hong Kong, and um, and from the historic figures, we know that a quarter of the uh, Hong Kong students will study overseas. So every university is uh, struggling to recruit enough students. You see, even Hong Kong U, UST, um, Chinese universities are lowering their admission standards uh, every year, uh, and still not able to recruit enough students. So uh, I do think, uh, I mean, I, I'm, in my day job, I, I, I work in the Hang Seng University as program director of uh, the marketing program. I can see that it's um, anybody who wants to uh, get a university degree, it's all they need to do is apply. It's very easy. So I think um, I think I agree with what Mike said. The structural part of the structural problem is the declining population. The birth rate is lower. And, uh, and and I think these young people these days, they have more opportunities than any of us have ever had. Roy, is it, is it, maybe it's a smaller population? Are we being too ambitious? Are we trying to do too much? Should we scale back and prioritize some things? Um, as I said, when you look at the talent list, it looks like it's tripled. Um, but at the same time, there are still uh, employers who complain to me since the release that they're not they're not getting people that uh, that are getting the job. Um, hospitality is is a huge concern. Yes, um, I hear this all the time from the hospitality sector. Yeah, and and I'm sure you would agree that the medical industry is in um, uh, it's always in need. The IT industry is always in the need. Um, I actually don't know enough about the um, the uh, performing arts and uh, and and the filming industries, uh, but I do understand they have their own system in in uh, identifying talents. So that's 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 something I, I I'm not right. uh, I don't have any information for. But uh, but for the others, I think it's pretty pretty basic. I mean, I I think uh, if you talk to other employers, they would prefer to. Uh, to see the uh, talent list to be expanded even more. However, there is one suggestion we make to the government, is that this talent list shouldn't be a fixture. It should be almost like a revolving door. Right. Uh, we should expand it when we don't have enough, and we should reduce it when we, have, when we are able to find local people. And as I mentioned earlier in the program, employers do want to hire local talent. If they can. And, uh, and the... And the um, the talent list. I mean, even if it is updated every six months, I'd be I'd be pretty open to 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 right. uh, a very regular update because that would also be a a, a safeguarding measure um, to ensure that the local talents. Um, uh, have priority. Right. Right. I, I just want to go back to Mr. Leung for a moment uh, about the construction industry. I mean, um, just earlier, uh, Ms. C, she was mentioning about uh, uh, how we should maybe set a quota, set a number of uh, uh, for, for imported workers. Um, how many people do you think is needed uh, in the construction industry right now? I mean, 
Well, the association has been conducting the uh, labour shortage survey every uh, two times a year for more than 10 years. And the last survey that we did publish in uh, February this year reflected that uh, we're still uh, lacking about 14% of labour for, for the uh, construction industry. And this figure has been quite steady. I mean steady in a sense that every time uh, we did the survey, we reflected that we still need uh, workers, be it 8%, 9%, 10%, or more than 10%. So it's steadily we are losing uh, workforce in the industry. And the problem is if we um, track back to Hong Kong when we have a very, very booming economy in the, in the 80s or even the late 70s. We have a lot of people coming to Hong Kong from the mainland. We don't have any quota. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a touch base uh, policy. When they reach the urban area, they will go to the immigration department to, to apply for the ID card and then they can go to work. And we don't worry about it. People are coming in and then they contribute to the development of Hong Kong. So right now, what we are suffering is that we stop the policy and then we set up more and more barriers for people coming to Hong Kong to work, to, uh, to, to, to develop themselves here. And then the economy is not growing rapidly. You, 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 if you look into the world econ economic history, any places or any countries, when they're losing population, their economy will, will be shrinking. This is the, uh, a very, very uh, simple yes. fact. And for, the, um, for setting up a quota, I don't think it's, it's that practical because we don't know uh, how many are needed in five years down the road, even mm -hmm. though we have planning, because there's, uh, sometimes the, the economy may be very volatile. Right. So we can only plan for half a year or one year only. So right now, the government scheme is that they lo uh, loosen the requirement for, for recruiting people from overseas or, or outside Hong Kong, and then it provides more flexibility for the companies to do All it. All right. Mr. Leung, we, we, we're going to have to uh, go to the news uh, in a few minutes' time. But uh, before we do that, I mean, I, I just want to get your view on uh, um, w your, your view on where these imported workers uh, for the construction industry will be, uh, will be staying if, if they do come to Hong Kong. I mean, that's a, that's a topic that's been uh, discussed um, earlier. Um, uh, what do you think? I mean, where can they stay? I mean, stay? I mean because uh, Hong Kong, of course, has a, it's a housing shortage problem as well. Yes, it's a problem. And uh, we got to work out with the government, see how we can make good use of some other, uh, especially the, uh, the ICF, the, uh, the, the isolation community facilities. Right. They're left over there, they're not uh, being used for the moment. Gordon, very quickly, do we make enough use of technology and off-site uh, co construction and then bringing in completed segments in, in some of our building projects? Yeah, we've been using it already. The MICs you mentioned about and then the pre-cost uh, things that we have been using in building our buildings already. Right. But uh, it's not a, a one... One, one, uh, what should I say? A panacea or one right. uh, uh, solution for all. That we've got to have a multi-flown uh, uh, approach to to solve the problem of labour shortage. 
All right, and just uh, very, very quickly, very briefly, Missy, um, what do you think of uh, what uh, Mr. Lerner just said? There, there can't be a quota system because uh, we don't know how many uh, workers we need. Just very briefly. I, I don't know, for example, in construction um, view, I, I don't know whether the, the percentage of labor is the lower, uh, the, the grassroots worker or not, because uh, according to our students, well, our grassroots worker, them, and their employment uh, pattern is uh, that they follow at one side and, uh, and then they, they go to work, and then if they're, um, the uh, employer, the don't have job and they need to stop for a while and then some of them they even don't have enough job so so there's always uh, two two uh, uh pictures. Some of them, they say they love it. All right, Missy, I'm afraid I have to (laughs) stop you there because we need to take a short break for the news. Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Silai Shan, Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization. Many thanks also to Godfrey Leung, the Executive Director of the Hong Kong Construction Association. And uh, Mr. Ying will continue our discussion after the news when we'll be joined by unionist lawmaker Lam Chun Singh. Now, if you want to share your views on today's topics, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on Ask CHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rchk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And here's a quick look at the weather. Hot with sunny intervals. The top temperature will be around 31 degrees. Right now it's 29 degrees. Relative humidity, 83%. It's now 9.30. With a new summary, here's Barry O'Rourke. Officials have stressed that a private sector pay survey isn't the only factor they'll consider in deciding whether to raise civil service salaries after the annual study pointed to inflation-beating increases. The check on more than 100 companies suggests that junior and mid-ranking civil servants should get 4.5% or more, while senior staff should receive just under 3%. Police say 11 members of one family are among 15 people arrested over a series of romance scams that cost victims more than $20 million. The force said the alleged syndicate operated from a mansion in Sha Tin, from which officers confiscated $300,000 in cash and two luxury cars. And Beijing's special representative Li Hui has wrapped up two days of talks with the foreign ministry in Kyiv as part of China's initiative to find a pathway to peace in Ukraine. It's the first stop on a diplomatic tour that's also expected to take him to Moscow. We'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Take a happy ride with Joyo Card. Just tap and feel the joy of getting around. Hey, pals over 65, you must apply for a Joy U card in phases by the end of this year. Your current octopus will not be covered under the $2 scheme in future. Hong Kong residents born in 1943 to 45 must apply for a Joy U card in May and June via Octopus app or by post. For details, visit the Joy U card website or call 3147-1388. Our district councils are supposed to serve the people in the districts, but the councils were sabotaged and disrupted. They got sick and could not function properly. Now it's time to heal and get the district councils back on track to improve district governance. District councillors are to make constructive suggestions to the government, improve the community environment, and listen to the people's views. The district councils can and should function well for the people. Improve district administration. Build a better community. 
Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Mike Rouse and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Roy Ying, a co-chair of the Advocacy and Policy Research Committee of the Hong Kong Institute of Human Resource Management. And also joining us now is unionist uh, lawmaker Lam Chen Singh. Good morning, Mr. Lam. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, Now, before the news, we heard from Mr. Ying. Uh, He believes the expansion of the talent scheme is a step in the right direction. Uh, We also heard from uh, Soko Silaishan, who expressed concern about uh, its impact on the local workforce. Um, What's your view? Um, Yes, I think uh, the the government expand the talent list and also cover so many industry is cover 51 professions i think it can uh, help the employer to more easily to recruit foreign profession and talents and and in fact i i, I think at the past uh, for these two schemes the general employment policy and the ambition scheme for mainland talent and professional is so easy for the employer to apply uh, the salary is at a market level and have a degree is okay. And and it, it, from the statistic in 2019, the situation is before the pandemic situation. Uh, in 2019, there's uh, 41,000 cases approved in general employment policy and also 14,000 cases approved in uh, admission scheme for mainland talents and professionals and more than 90% of the application will be approved by immigration department usually. So it's very easy for the employer to apply. Now 51 professions, no need for the employer to prove that they cannot recruit local professional and apply directly and also no need for them to have a proportion, let's say, for example, recruit one foreign professionals, you should recruit one local professional. No such requirement. And also another point that is uh, we will question that whether the government do consultation in those 51 professionals. Maybe, I believe, uh, that's true that for some of the industry, we need more foreign professionals. But maybe for some of the professionals, uh, the shortage problem is not so serious. And for those industries, whether we can set a quota or a limit, for example, just uh, 300 or 500 uh, professionals, then we suspend the importation so that we can make a balance with uh, local profession uh, employment priority. And if we do not have any restriction, uh, just uh, talk an example, the policy address, say that in the future, five years in our universities, 35% of the students study in STEAM education, in STEAM subject. We worry that the graduate of the local university job opportunity in the future. So I think, uh, I hope that the government can monitor the scheme and make a balance between uh, the priority of uh, local labor employment. Yeah, Mr. Lamb, good morning. Every employer I talk to (laughs) wants to hire locally if he possibly can uh, for the language is the same, the culture is the same. Uh, you don't have to worry about the person leaving town and, and not coming back. But w- have we got the balance right with this relaxation of the scheme? 
Um, I think, um, and that's right. I think apart from um, we have other considerations. Um, um, for example, in the list, in the talent list, uh, we have many professionals, and their culture may be different from mainland and other countries. Um, and 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 that's also a problem that uh, whether some of the professionals uh, we uh, really can import enough uh, professional. For for example, uh, just talk about the nurse is in the talent list. Uh, in fact, but we have a, a registration system for the nurse. They need to obtain the qualification, and they can serve in so that they can serve in the hospital and clean leg. But we, we, we now, if we only expand the talent list and include the nurse, I think it cannot attract many nurses uh, who can meet the uh, registration requirement in Hong Kong. But now the government uh, plan to uh, amend the nurse registration ordinance. And maybe now the nurse uh, have some practical experience and they can get the qualification of nurse without the licensing examination, but maybe we need to discuss how we can uh, ensure the qualification and the quality of the nurse and make a balance between local nurses, uh, especially the uh, uh, graduate employment opportunities. So for some of the professionals, we need to consider the local qualification, culture, uh, practice in the local situation instead of just only expand the talent list. All right. I, I have an email here from a listener, Mike, and uh, he says, uh, why medical staff are leaving? How Half of our office used to use the BNO passport and are now working in the UK. Many doctors have retired or, like me, work only part-time. The shortage is only going to get worse. Expats aren't going to stay due to shortage of the expense of children's education. Oh, he says uh, due to the shortage of and expense of children's education. Um, Mr. Ying. Yes. Um, so, so, I mean, what do you think of what Mike just said? Do you think uh, the expansion of uh, this talent list uh, will actually be able to solve uh, Hong Kong's uh, labor shortage problem? Well, Janice, I think um, um, it's just one step in the right direction. Um, the next step uh, I would have thought is to make Hong Kong as an attractive destination for these um, overseas talents to want to come, um, not just for themselves, but for their family, for the children. Um, is, is that something, is it a place where whether they want to make it a career over the long term? It's not that simple. It's not like you... Uh, you open the, uh, expand the talent list, people will naturally flock in. Um, you still have to um, make sure there is enough housing, enough in international school places, um, a, a very embracing um, uh, culture uh, for uh, foreigners to work in Hong Kong. So I think that is the next step. Um, I, I do agree with... Um, uh, Mr. Lam said about the registration system, which is something I, I, I mentioned earlier in the program, that some of the qu professional qualifications need to, um, uh, I wouldn't say relax, but need to consider um, that there will be more and more overseas, overseas, overseas qualified professionals coming here and uh, 
are they going to do something about it? Um, uh, for example, uh, Godfrey was saying that the engineers, the surveyors, and the architects, they are already actively doing mutual recognition of qualifications with a number of different um, universities and professional associations in different countries. Um, these are the, uh, there's a quite a lot of things that needs to be done in order for uh, overseas talents to want to come. Yes. Um, we must remove those barriers, I would have thought. I mean, yeah. Philippine nurses work now all over the world. They work in the U.S., they work in the U.K. Uh, I'm not sure any left in the Philippines, so I feel uh, some guilt there. Um, but should we be casting the net wider in terms of mutual recognition? I think that is a question for the, um, the local professional bodies. But I do think the government has a role to play to... Um, to um, coordinate and uh, have a strategies and um, and say, look, this is the problem we have. Uh, what can we do about it? Uh, who is your targeted? Um, the most qualified groups of people that you can think of. Let's go there and, and strike more mutual recognitions and, and work on it. So um, I'm sure there's more solutions than problems if you set your mind to it. All right. I have another email here from Brett. He says, uh, roughly 200,000 drop in population brings on a shortage of labor across so many sectors of the economy, so much so that we apparently need to uh, throw out longstanding immigration policies in order to import labor. Really, is that necessary? And that, that uh, email is from Brett. Um, Mr. Yang, I mean... Um, yeah, what's your re response to uh, his email? And also, I mean, should we um, sort of focus on how to retain local workers rather than importing workers from, from other places? Oh, that is a bit ex extreme. <laughs> um, well, the employers that I've been talking to, uh, not just employers, also employees are also our members. Um, the number one priority in um, it's about having the career prospect. Um, if there, if any, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Hong Kong. Anywhere they work, if there is career prospect, promising uh, profession, they will want to stay. Um, but I do agree that the um, some some of the um, attraction of Hong Kong um, has has not been um, has not been properly promoted. Uh, a lot of the overseas um, people still have um, the uh, the Hong Kong image uh, back three four years ago, and there, there's uh, I do agree with what the chief executive says. There's more to be done in terms of telling the Hong Kong story. Um, but back, let's go back to the talent list. Um, it, it's not an immigration policy. It is just a short term fix to find people that we don't have in Hong Kong. And if we could review this list regularly, uh, yes, this year there may be expansion, but next year, hey, we've got enough, let's remove some of those. And if we do it regularly, then I don't really see a big problem in seeing uh, local workforce being threatened. Um, and as I said earlier in the program, employers do want to hire local people. Mm. Uh, Roy. Well, we're, our traditional rival for this kind of talent is is Singapore. Yeah. Are there any, any new places uh, come up recently where we're going to face stiff competition? Because this point but, about offering a career is very important. Yeah, China. 
um, Shenzhen. Shenzhen is it's taking it's uh, has been getting quite a lot of our Hong Kong talents, um, and and therefore something that you you talked about earlier before the news is about where these people will stay. We cannot assume that everybody wants to live in Hong Kong. For example, if you are a a professional uh, having a family in 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 China. Do you really want to move your family into Hong Kong? I mean, I, my suggestion to the government is to take advantage of the proximity that we have with the Greater Bay Area. Uh, can these people live in uh, China uh, near um, high-speed rail station? Take the train 15 minutes and you're in the West Kowloon station uh, and then go to work. Um, is that something that's possible? Um, it may not be very appealing to people who have to work uh, around the clock, you know, shift duties and all that. But for certain certain professionals, maybe just maybe we can we can uh, make use of our proximity and the infrastructure that we have with uh, with the Greater Bay Area. Obviously, uh, there has to be more work to be done because uh, some of these infrastructures don't open cross-border structures don't open 24 hours but that, that's something that we can think about right mr lamb what do you think about that i mean uh, about mr ying's suggestion that uh, these uh, imported workers they don't necessarily have to stay in hong kong um, i i think the uh, in fact i i, I think that that's uh, i think we we can uh, communicate with a different professional body uh, to see whether the actual practice of that. Uh, but uh, before, we, uh, from another scheme, our uh, labor supplementary scheme, that our frontline labor, uh, they recruit the foreign labor in a market level, the, the salary, the monthly salary is at a market level. But uh, after that, the employer or the, the uh, that and will need to pay and require them to pay back uh, the uh, living uh, expenditure and other operation costs. So the actual salary is uh, only several thousand. So we hope that uh, for the living issues, they are living in Hong Kong or other places or in the mainland. That uh, uh, the, the the thing is that we we should ensure that. Uh, the employer recruit the professional and talents at a market level uh, so that they can make a balance uh, between the local labor uh, employment priority. All right. And, and Mr. Ying, uh, looking ahead, if the talent list uh, was to expand further, what job types do you think uh, can be considered? Well, that, there is a quite a lot. Um, I mean, for example, the... Um, uh, we just talked about the hospitality, the AVPs. We do know that uh, the Hong Kong airport is not even close to 100% capacity. There is a lot of job types that uh, people were, were hiring. I mean, I remember we were, we, I was on this program uh, a couple of, a few weeks ago, and the, uh, the, the airport is, is still recruiting like crazy. Anybody with... Um, with half a soul, we'll get a chance for interview. So that would be my first pick. Yes, I think we've we've had a program which dealt with this quite extensively. 
Cathy's ambition, I think, is to be 70% back to normal by the end of the year and 100% by the end of next year. Um, but there's a shortage of all sorts of things. It's the check-in agents you've got and the baggage handlers and everything. And people are wondering, and you, this is geared directly to what you were talking about earlier, do they have a career? And will it last five years, ten years, or, or will it suddenly, next time there's a, a, a problem and all the flights stop, uh, will their career be over, truncated? Yeah, yeah that, that, is, that is something for the employers to think about because um, um, people have invested their, uh, a lot of their time and effort to earn qualifications and, uh, and it, it would be a pity to see it end so abruptly. All right, so Mr. Ying, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Roy Ying, co-chair of the Advocacy and Policy Research Committee of the Hong Kong Institute of Human Resource Management. Many thanks also to unionist lawmaker Lam Chin Singh. It's now 9.49 and in a moment we'll get reaction from a former Hong Kong footballer about the recent match-fixing scandal. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, audience of RTHK. I'm Paul Chan, the Financial Secretary. This year marks the 95th anniversary of RTHK. I wish RTHK every success in starting a new chapter for public service broadcasting. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned. With Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. The ICAC said it has arrested 11 members of a Hong Kong First Division football team and their coach on suspicion of match-fixing during the current season. The anti-corruption watchdog said they were arrested along with 11 other people, including members of a syndicate that took part in illegal bookmaking. To uh, give us his thoughts on this and what it means for local football, we're now joined on the line by a former Hong Kong footballer, Derek Curry, one of the first of three professionals to play in Asia when Hong Kong introduced professional football in 1917. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Janice. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, so first of all, are you uh, surprised by the news of the arrests? Well, yeah, you know, it's, it always rears its ugly head at some stage, but I think disappointed more than anything else because, I mean, negative stories are bad for the game. Uh, fortunately, if I can say that, it was in the lower echelons of the, the first division, which is almost an amateur division. But still, it's uh, match fixing is a cancer of football and it can spread. So you've nearly got to nip it on the head. And I think the authorities have, have probably acted in the right way. But as I said, we can't prejudge any individual at the moment. Right. The, the Hong Kong Football Association chairman said the uh, match-fixing allegations has uh, damaged the reputation of football in Hong Kong. Uh, do you agree? Uh, in, a, in a little way, I suppose. I mean, the chairman has said that he's, he's going to have zero tolerance. Uh, match-fixing happens all over the world, and, it, and then it becomes yesterday's news. It's how the local association handles the whole situation, and I think the FA will go about it in the right way. It's something that's got to be stamped out. What really amazes me is that uh, that people can actually bet on Hong Kong First Division matches, which are only attended by 
a small amount of people. I didn't even know some betting sites actually existed. Good morning, Derek. Um, morning, mate. It's been a long time since I spoke to you. It has been. It has been. Half a second. I was here with all the things you were talking about, the three professionals coming in. I remember all of you. Well, I remember you, Mike, in your early days at the Star newspaper when you were investigative journalist. Those were the days. Um, Those were the days. Derek, isn't it really, it's all down to gambling, isn't it? Because nobody fixes a match just for the hell of fixing it, um, just to prove it can be done. It's because there's money. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there, Mike. I mean, anybody, anybody who loves a game of football would would never go against the grain of giving 150 percent in a match, and it does get down to money. And I think it's people who are who are probably in maybe some bad situation financially, and they're and they're forced to do this sort of thing. I can only speculate on that. I mean. I know, I know there's been stories in the, in the club and fault had financial problems and that may have led to what happened. Who knows? That may all come out in time. But, yeah, but, I mean, anybody who really loves the game would never stoop to, to sell right. themselves short, mate. Because a very... Uh, yeah, this is the point. Someone who relied on football for a living um, and is poorly paid or not paid or worried whether they'll be paid or not does become vulnerable to... Attraction, attractive alternatives. Of course, of course, that's one hundred percent correct. But I mean, if you if, if you don't think your salary is enough playing football, get another job. That's the answer. Yes. Just change. You know, you don't have to stoop to selling yourself short in games. If yes, and if you love it so, if you love it so much and want to do it instead of anything else, that's okay too. But don't stoop down. I mean, this is not a Hong Kong problem only, is it? No, no, it happens all over the world. It's it's a, it's a problem which I think UEFA and FIFA are very much aware of. I see. Personally, it only happens in these sort of sometimes outposts and uh, where games are not monitored properly. But I mean, any any of the big games, nothing like that would happen really. Ivan I mean, Tony I, I, of Brentford has just been suspended for eight months for betting on more than two hundred games in the UK. Sorry, what was that? I missed that first part. Uh, Ivan Tony of Brentford, because uh, I used to go and watch Brentford in the very old days. Ivan Tony's just been suspended um, for eight months from all football in the well, UK. Yeah, well, you've got to come down heavy on them. Uh, I mean, it, it should never happen. I mean, I mean, football's a game to be enjoyed. I mean, I, I sat and watched the Man City game, the Al Madrid game, and it was just great football and that's what you want to watch you don't want to see the dark side of the game and you know fortunately it doesn't happen very often but yeah if you're if you're a professional football you shouldn't be involved in, 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 in gambling and I'm, I mean it's, it's all changed since online gambling when did that start 96 late 90s when the whole the whole face of gambling changed completely for the old days as we knew it right and this raises the point about whether gambling companies Betting companies should be allowed to sponsor football shirts? Well, it's, it's outlawed in Italy and Spain. They've already outlawed uh, shirt sponsorship with gambling companies. And I believe the, the EPL, uh, the English Football League, have, uh, have said in the summer of 2026, which is three years down the road, that they will allow it on shirt sleeves and pitch-side advertising boards, but not in shirt fronts 
Why they have to wait three years is a good question. I can only think it's a, a transitional period or for, for clubs to give them a chance to get other forms of advertising on the shirt sleeves. Because at present, I think there's eight out of the 20 clubs in the EPL have betting shirt logos on their shirt front. Right. And that collectively brings in, Mike, I think about £40 million a year to the clubs. I think these sponsorship deals probably run for two or three years. So if you want to phase it out, you've got to let the existing contracts expire first. Well, they didn't. I don't think they did that in Italy and Spain. It was a bit of an outcry when they just said no more advertising. Some clubs couldn't find anybody. Yes. But I think that's the rationale why they're doing it in England. What about in the in the mainland? Because I I think reports are that President Z himself is ambitious one day of having the World Cup in the mainland. But there's been corruption uh, exposed there as well, hasn't there? Yeah, everybody, everybody else has got to get the whole the house in order. There's no doubt about that. But, but yeah, it would be good. It would be great if we could see the World Cup in China at some stage, and I'm sure it will happen eventually. Right, and and I just want to get your view, um, uh, Derek. Uh, how how in your view has the football culture changed um, since you played professionally? Oh, it's 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 changed. Uh, I mean, in Hong Kong, when I when I arrived in Hong Kong, nineteen seventy, I mean there was no uh, foreign uh, European foreign professional players. I mean, you look at it nowadays, you know you. You go back to the present day and there's clubs, particularly in Scotland, are bringing in players from Japan and Korea. In those days, they were bringing people from Scotland, myself and, and two others, Walter Gerrard and Jackie Trainer, And uh, we were guinea pigs. And, of course, we went out and gave 100%. And uh, the football fans got behind us. And uh, in the 70s, Hong Kong flourished. You know, it was 28,000 people at games. It was a great atmosphere. There was lots of good local players as well. Uh, now it's it's fallen a bit flat. It's lagged behind, like Japan and Korea, who have fastly overtaken Hong Kong. But I've always said if Hong Kong could produce a couple of young superstars who could turn on the magic and start to win games for Hong Kong, the fans would fa- would flock back to the stadium because the, the fans in Hong Kong love their soccer. Yes, I, I remember those days too because I used to live uh, near the South China Stadium and. The- you could hear the roaring uh, of, of the crowd um, every time there was a goal or a miss. It really, the walls shook. You know, Mike, the, uh, it's, it's, it's quite funny. I read, you know, you've got some of these companies who are coming out. I think it's one called Sports Radar, and they monitor games and they look at patterns of game. And people say that uh, if, if, if a team's down 3-0, they shouldn't be able to come back and win a game by four goals to three. Well, All right, Derek. that's not 100%, because I remember in 75. All right, Derek, I'm afraid we're out of time. It's great to have you on our program, and we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, former Hong Kong footballer Derek Curry. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today, and to our guest presenter, Mike Rouse, and producer, Raphael. I'll be back with another edition of Back Chat tomorrow with Andrew Work.